Shalom, and welcome to another episode of Mamish, the Oi and Joy of Family. I'm your host, Lori Fine, here to bring you laughs, stories, and a little walk-away wisdom for our fellow travelers in this wild parenting ride where our community and our traditions are our greatest guides. I am super excited to be here today with Hannah Schechter. Hannah, welcome to the program. I think this is the first time we've had a triplet mom Ooh, on the podcast. All right. And I'm always fascinated by moms who have multiples and then keep going because, hey, you know, having triplets to deal with isn't enough to jazz up your life. Hannah lives in Florida. She is a STEM educator and the head of the STEM program at her children's school. And And we're going to get into all of it. So, Hannah, tell me what made you decide to have a large family? So that's an excellent question. So I, my own family that I came from, I have one sister and, you know, we got a long time and it was cute, but, you know, it was quiet in the house. We didn't cause too much trouble. We didn't argue. And I always wanted a large family. I didn't quite realize I was going to start out the large family at the first, the first go around, (laughs) but I always up for a challenge and God gave me this challenge and thank God so far. So good. Did you have any reason to think you would be having triplets? No. So we were married for several years and we did use some extra fertility measures. So when I first became pregnant. I was obviously very, very excited as anybody would be, but you know, it it took a a little longer than expected. So we were super excited. And then first doctor's appointments, the er early ones, they said, wow, we see two heartbeats. And I was like, yes, I made up for a lot of time too. That's amazing. Twins. I have two hands. My husband has two hands. This is perfect. We can, you know, okay. If it's a, you know, it would be nice if it was a boy and a girl, but I'm not going to complain, whatever it is. Um, and then, of course, we had to follow up for the next doctor's appointment. And on the ultrasound, they said, oh, wait, there's one more. So I said, you know, that's funny. That's not, that's like, that doesn't happen to people, does it? But they said, yeah. So there was like a very small chance that whatever the process that we we did would would bring us our triplets. But, you know, I guess... I had very good, very good luck back then. I should have bought a lottery ticket also. Uh, but, well, that's that nice that you think ticket. of it that way. Some people would be suing the doctor, you know? I mean, they said, listen, you you might have twins, but like not real, you know, whatever. But don't worry about it. It wasn't, we didn't, thank God, have to go through too many measures to, to get pregnant. But whatever we did gave us our triplets. And of course, my husband was, he did not understand what was going on. I said, you know, there's, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. He was, it was very worried. And this was, you know, over 20 years ago, you know, where there were multiples, but, you know, it was still new to, to regular people. So we were a little bit nervous. Right, they weren't um, selling those strollers at Walmart yet. Sell, no, exactly. So <laughs> special order. <laughs> right, right. So what we, I have a, one of my husband's best friends who's over 50 is a triplet the family had two sons and the mom wanted a daughter and you know one of those typical stories where they were like should we even have one more and then they got triplet boys so you know, <laughs> changed the wow. dynamic a little bit of what they were thinking but they're all great they're all amazing guys so okay so wait were your triplets all 
genetically different from each other or is there like a set of identical yes. and then no they are i guess fraternal and it's two girls and one boy and right now they're 21 years old in college and i couldn't i don't believe it so <laughs> i don't believe it i remember so i remember the day they told me that there were three three heartbeats and i have the picture and and i we were in shock but i'm very grateful and 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 now they're 21 years old so it's amazing cool. Amazing. So beautiful. And then, you know, that was clearly you decided to move on and have another two kids shortly after that. Yes. Yeah. They're all it was like within two years. So I, I do have to say, you know, I don't know if this ca the case with all multiple parents, but you know, they were our first and, and there were three of them. And we, we certainly studied up on what the best practices were. And we, you know, we sort of, did everything we could to keep them all happy and fed and throughout their life, you know, give them as much attention and all of those things. So for the first two years when we had them, we, they were very cute and very delightful kids and very relaxed. You know, they had to learn patience from day one, maybe even before day one, I don't know what was happening in there, but, but right. they learned patience. And so they were delightful. So we said, you know what, let's, let's see what it is to have just one baby. Let's see if we can do that. Okay. <laughs> so, thank God. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what the fuss is about. <laughs> right. Right. So, we said, okay, you know what? This is beautiful. Let's, let's have one more. Four seems like a nice number. And then, you know, we just grew our family to one more to five, have, you know, raising multiples. I mean, singles was, was definitely different than our, than our multiples Our single singletons as they call them they they don't have as, as much patience but maybe oh, I interesting. Have as much patience. <laughs> so that's interesting that's interesting that the multiples are yes. more patient i mean you know sometimes i wonder how that goes because if kids getting more patients learn that or if they become more impatient because they're used to the service and i think you really could go either way if you were to give advice to somebody what would you say so in terms of the multiple, you know, they were, they, I, I think they also fed off each other. So we obviously couldn't do whatever we do with our singles on demand. There was a schedule and all of those things. And it took a little while and, and the sleeping. And, and then as they got older, they, they realized, you know, it's not just me that they're ignoring. It's okay. It's the, it's these other two that they're, they're not paying attention to, or they're waiting. So I'm going to wait. And they, they fed off each other. And then I, you know, yes, we, we started them off that way, but I think as they grew older, you know, they were very connected in that way. Like we're the triplets and we sort of are a special case scenario. Sure. Sometimes we have to wait for this or sometimes we have to share like all the time. I think they just grew into this life. And then when their brother and sister came, they would, you know, especially when they've got older, like, come on, mom. You do better than that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right, wait. I want to hear about that. So how did, how, how, what What do you mean? Like, so I love the idea of the kids giving the parents parenting advice. Yes. I mean, certainly, yes. certainly I get this. I one time had a boss who was kind of bossy, let's say. And, <laughs> and she said to me once, like, you know, every time I, criticize you and you never seem to get upset she was sort of upset about that you never seem to get upset 
you know, you know, what's up with that? And I said, you know, I have five daughters. I don't leave the house without being told what I should have said, what I should have done, what I should have been right. wearing. My lipstick doesn't look good. My my clothes don't match. <laughs> I, you know, I I take it in stride. I've learned to take criticism right. and and keep a smile Absolutely. on my face. I'm curious to hear how how that worked in your family and, and how you reacted to it and whether you ever thought they gave you any good advice. So it's so interesting because the dynamic where we are right now, where we have, I have the three kids in New York in college and one in Israel in the yeshiva and one home, my daughter is home. So, you know, having one child's home, you know, is certainly different for us. And, you know, we may, we may be a little looser with her in terms of our, you know, expectations or, but there's one fun anecdote about, um, so like when we had, when we were raising our five children until, you know, the majority of them left the house, we very rarely ate out. We might've ta- gotten takeout, a pizza. This is not something that was normal in our family. So, but now that we have one child at home, every Sunday night is missing out and this, and they're looking at me like, what is, who are you people? Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, you don't cook anymore, mom. <laughs> so they, they. They catch me on, uh, you know, the differences, certain things right. that the other two sort of pushed us. We definitely give in more than our our first three. Oh, so like and what types of things do you mean? Okay. So, so like in terms of, you know, we're very free. Like we, we want our children to decide their, their path in life. We want our children to decide their academic journey. So we decided for them where they were going to go to school for the first 15 years of their life and then sort of let them decide what's the best situation for them, what college, what program, whatever it is, we try to be very supportive. And and our older kids might say, oh, we, we maybe pushed them in a certain direction when we didn't we we didn't mean to, but we sort of pushed them. Oh, you need to, you know, why don't you go here? Yes, we know you want to be a rabbi and learn, but like, why don't you go to this school? You know, because we thought, okay, but then my other son, just in case, just in case that doesn't work out. We just want when this school seems to be more reasonable to us, what do we know? But and also remember, we're Baltuba, so our children are being raised differently than than we. You know. And and then my son, who's in yeshiva, he's like, no, I don't want to go to the same place, my brother. I want to go to this place. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting place. You know, as I'm holding my breath and saying, no, 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 no. Right. But, right. You know, at the end of the day, he's going where he wants to go, and we're taking deep breaths. And then my other son is saying, wow, mom. Right. Caved. <laughs> caved. That's funny. It's funny. I ran. I I ran into someone the other day, who our daughters had been in high school together, and I didn't. I didn't ever really know the mom. So we sort of were catching up on our kids. And she mentioned that one of her daughters went to two years of college. And then she met somebody. And then she decided not to go to college. And she wanted to be a jeweler. And she went and did a jewelry gemology program. And the whole time. On the one hand, I feel like, awesome, she figured out so young that she was not on the path that she wanted for her life, and she figured out, I mean, so many people I know in their 40s and 50s are still trying to figure that out, so good for her for figuring something she wanted to do at a younger age, but you could just sort of see on the mom's face, like, yeah, we're not sure (laughs) about this, apparently this is what she's going to do, and we're trying to 
used to it. So yeah, we all kind of feel that. I mean, I feel that way, even for the good things that I'm excited for my kids about. I mean, here's a, this is a little bit of a funny story recently. So, you know, my two oldest kids are, are, they're very close, but they're very different. One of them has always been more verbal and all that that entails about writing and very academic and she's about next week to graduate from Harvard. And then the other one was always much more of a doer. She was kind of a late talker. She was the kind of kid that made you believe in getting leashes for toddlers, you know, and I didn't do it, but I believed in it. And then she decided not to go to college and she went straight to the Israeli army and she's been having a great experience. And I, I sort of figured she had various interests, business, psychology, what have you. I figured she would probably go to college in Israel on an army scholarship, or maybe if she would come back here, whatever. But she decides to tell me that she wants to now go to med school. Oh. She really had not, there were maybe some hints, I guess you could say, if I'm going backwards, but it was definitely not something that she was you know, a lifelong dream or something like that, like you hear so many kids have. And we're not a family of doctors. I mean, my sister's a dentist, but most of us are lawyers. So it sort of took us by surprise. And, you know, I was like, wow, you first you took four years out of, you know, high school. She went to (laughs) a gap year and then another half of a gap year and then the army. And and now you're going to start with this long haul of undergrad and med school and residency. And then you want to make Aliyah on time. I said, oh, I don't know about this plan, honey. And she's like, mom, are you <laughs> right now seem to be in danger of being the first Jewish mother in history, talking her kid out of being a doctor. What is going know. on? But I'm sure Well, you know, that, we, we just worry. <laughs> right. I'm sure it'll worry. all work That's out great. All. And she'll, she'll be amazing at it. It sort of came from the army because I think, she probably wanted to and thought, oh, it's too hard. And then doing the army and doing all of these hard wow. things, she started to right. feel, wow, I really don't have to worry if something's hard. I'll just do it and I'll get through it, it and I'll That's accomplish good. it. So from that perspective, it's great. But now I'm trying to figure out like, oh, what does it mean? You know, what do I have to right, 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 something right. separate? So you mentioned right. that you're, so, you and your husband are both Balchuva, which if anyone's listening yes. doesn't know, do you want to say what that means? So I guess it means like return from the the, the observance level, yeah, like, so a were, <laughs> like a regular Jew. Well, did you go grow up like going to yeah. Hebrew school or I, going to synagogue? Like what was your family growing up? So, so my parents, they, so I was born in Israel and they, they wanted something better. They wanted the American dream. So we came and we ended up in South Florida and. So they were both very hardworking and did the best they they could for our, their family. And one thing that was helpful in the Jewish day school, the local community day school, that the hours are much longer than, let's say, right. you know, maybe public school. So they ended up not because they were religious people, but they they put us in this school, not really worried about the Judaic part or what they were teaching, but it worked for their hours. And they I ended up being from preschool to graduating high school in this Jewish day school. Okay. So me not not being very observant was very normal in our school. In fact, it was the other way. I think in my grade, there were only a few, a handful 
that were observant to the level of orthodoxy. Uh, but I always, I would say since, I don't know, maybe middle school, I always knew that when I grew up and left my parents because I didn't want to rock their boat, I, I, I knew I wanted to live an orthodox Jewish lifestyle. I, I, I knew it from, from being a kid. And anytime I would go to my friend Rebecca's house for Shabbos, I loved everything about it. I loved chillings. I loved potato <laughs> kugel. I loved going to, to shul, to the synagogue. I loved everything about it. And well, I knew this was, this was what I wanted. And I went as the, literally the day I arrived in college at Boston University that Friday. I speak to my parents every day. I said, I'm not going to be calling you on Saturday. Just a heads up. I'll call you Saturday night. Don't get worried. Oh, why? I said, well, I'm going to be keeping Shabbat. And that was it. So that's a very interesting thing about you as a person that you were so considerate of your parents to not want to trouble them with this thing that you'd been holding inside for several years. Now, that's really interesting. I mean, especially bringing it back to you as a mother, how does that influence how you interact with your kids or are trying to ferret out what they really want? How does that impact your parenting? I think I had tried to show my parents respect. I mean, they had their own issues with people. When they thought of orthodoxy, they had a, a very typical, a typical vision of it, and they didn't necessarily want that for me. So I wanted to show them respect that I wasn't going to bring it into their house if they didn't choose to. So we want our children to see that we respect our parents so that they could mimic it. <laughs> and so... <laughs> At least, hopefully. And so, you know, I think, especially now as my kids are becoming, you know, young adults to respect their choices, they are also, interestingly enough, in a different observance level. Are they moving to becoming even more observant or they're moving to become somewhat less observant yes. or are they all going different so, ways? So, so, interestingly, they're all moving you know, in their own pace, in their own way to becoming more observant, I guess you can call it more to the right, whatever people say. I don't really know the, the names for it. Sure. Um, they, they, so they are definitely moving, moving to become more observant. I mean, my, I grew up in the U.S., but my husband grew up in, in Russia. So he for oh. sure did not have, yes, he for sure did not have any of this you know, for the first 18 years, he just knew he was Jewish. And in Russia, that was not the best thing to be. He came for college, he was 17, 18 years old. So in 90, 91, when like, it was the whole, you oh, know, when the Soviet, Soviet Union, Union collapsed. Yes, yes. So he was able to come. So him and his friend had a relationship with some people there at Syracuse University, and they were able to go uh, to, to university in, in, in the U.S. and that, and he started his journey also very slowly, but also wanted to know more. What is this being Jewish all about? And so we we had a, a much different journey in religion than than our children. But even so, you know, I don't know if the, it's the right word, but like they have surpassed, you know. Us. <laughs> well, so I mean, it, look, I yeah. think I think that's one of the fundamental struggles of parenthood, right? Is yes. 
to figure out what are the parameters of your children's journey in life and supporting what they want and choose that is not what you had in mind. And, and then where do you, if at all, say, this is not a place I think you should go. And as a parent, I want to be there to advise you and to guide you. And I don't think that this is fundamentally in your interest. I mean, how would, do you feel like you have any sense or any advice on how you would, how you make that determination, how you feel maybe your parents felt about you and your changes? So it's interesting because I I think I learned from my parents. They definitely were more supportive of my religious journey than I I thought they were going to be in particular. My father, he lived in Israel many years and then he left it and he saw a lot of different kinds of people and wasn't like thrilled with everything he saw, but he was supportive. My mom was very supportive. She kashered her whole house. So when I would come home from college, she, I, I wouldn't have to eat, you know, on a paper plate like that mortified her. So they were very supportive. And then over their journey, they actually became more observant and they are very big members of their Orthodox synagogue community and they keep kosher and they keep Shabbat, which is kind of funny. If you would have asked me as an 18 year old girl, I would have never seen it coming, but they have also grown in that, in that way. And maybe it has to do with me and my family seeing it more often and seeing how the lifestyle suited us or whatever it was the, with my children, it's, so I tried the same approach of, listen, I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm biting my tongue but you, because maybe this is not my mentality. This is not, when I was going to college, it was strictly to, to learn a profession that was going to pay the bills and then some, and that was like what my parents expected of me. My, I have two sons who are in in yeshiva type schools that are learning to potentially be rabbis or want to learn Torah, Torah and Talmud and all of that. And this is not something I understand. <laughs> you know, as a Jewish mother, the first thing I said is great, but how are you going to pay the bills? So, right. so, but, and they always tell me like, we know mom, we know we need to pay the bills, but this is what we want to do with our life. And we will figure out a way how to pay the bills. So the one thing I have learned over the first how many years, especially as they're becoming adults, is that I, before maybe the first 18 years, it was more one-sided, like, I'm going to give you advice and you will say something, but I'm not really listening. And then as they become older, we're learning how to have a conversation and, and push them to answer questions that we have more so than we did when they were younger. We want to push them. Why do you want to go to this school? What is this? Why not the other school? What's it different? Explain to me who you are, what your, what your goals are, what your passions are. And we're, we're having conversations as adults that we probably haven't had until this point. It was, it was just us parents trying to do our best and tell them what to do. All right. So tell me about <laughs> that. So as your kids were growing up, you had this little, this whole troop of five little kids who are, you know, five within four years of each other, it looks like. Yeah. And yep. how was that dynamic as you were a young mom? 
And, you know, what did you come away with from your kids? Maybe you have some funny stories of things that happened. So interesting that uh, people who don't knew me before I got married, before I had children, they always, a few of them always said, like, I never thought you were, like, raw material. That's a chutzpah. You know, you're not very, like, you you're know, not the nurturing I, type. Not the nurturing, right? They didn't see that in me. I mean, I have one sister, and we're also very close in age. And where we lived, I, I wasn't like I was the the babysitting teenager. Like I didn't have really a lot of experience with young children, so I just nobody saw that. So the one thing, and I, I just and, have to yeah. say, you are about the fourth or fifth person on yeah. this podcast who has said something very similar you know I never babysat it was my sister who seemed to like kids I didn't particularly care for children and then ended up with a big family some of them (laughs) six seven eight kids so it's you know it's an interesting phenomenon and I think we talk about having a little walk away wisdom but I think if I would say to young people who haven't yet started their families, yeah. you know, don't make too many assumptions about yourself no, and absolutely. what you're going to feel about your own children is very different than how you might feel about other people's <laughs> children. In fact, my husband, exactly. he has an acronym. He talks about OPK, other people's kids, you know, <laughs> but it's like, well, what should we do for Shabbos? Should we have people over? He's like, right. oh, I'm not really in the mood for OPK. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's where I am now too. Yeah. So that's really <laughs> I've done funny. this. I've done it. But yeah, so so you know, it was it was obviously very transformative for me. I'm like, oh my god, these are my children, and they're and they're so cute, and I'm supposed to take care of them. And I and I sort of in the beginning, especially with the triplets, but as they were little, it happens to be one of my strong suits is I'm a very organized person, and I like to get things done. I'm a very checklist, like get things done. And so my husband was at home. I was home for a couple of the years that we were all five together. And I said, listen, we're going to get things done, people. This is what we're doing. And, you know, some might call it boot camp. Some might, might call it giving them, giving them responsibility in the home. There was no daily help with cleaning. There was no daily help with taking care of the children. It was mostly me. And so I said, listen. We're all a family here. We all have to help. And it was a lot of group effort. We, we, I sort of, nice. you know, you know, it was a lot of, here we are, we're all together. And, and it also growing up, we make fun of it now. The kids like if, if one person didn't like my son, didn't like frozen yogurt, we cannot go to that frozen yogurt place. We have to all go where we all like it. We have to go to the ice cream place. To make it stuff that everyone bought into yes. and enjoyed. Yes. So tell, I mean, that's hard to manage with all those people. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely hard. And sometimes, you know, obviously I couldn't do it every time, but I wanted them to help each other. I always used to, our, our, we have a modest home. I always used to say, we're all living here together. We all have to, to clean up. They're very, even today, even my sons, they're decent cleaners. Even today, they learned a few, they did laundry early on, on their <laughs> own. I mean, very few times did I have to redo it. The putting away is a different story. A little bit, I'm a little bit of a neat freak. Okay. I say a little, some might say other words. <laughs> some um, might say a little <laughs> was not called for. Yes. <laughs> some would say a little. And... Now, that is something, and I have come to terms with it, 
especially living with seeing my 17-year-old daughter, you know, up close and personal because she's the only one home. The neatness did not carry over to anybody. <laughs> not one. Wow. Um, well, I guess that's, and, that's, and that's that makes me feel less yeah. guilty that I didn't even bother trying. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> you see? All, all those years wasted. of trying. Like, all those. How are you even my children? <laughs> so funny. So, listen. And, and I know this more. You know, I could see this more because they are not always, they're not always at home. They're away in school. And when they come back, I, I, I said, listen, look around and, and get on board because I'm not doing this again. <laughs> Interesting. Now you're making me think about it. I feel like I frame it all as a matter of being considerate to others, starting with mom, of course. If I were to do anything over, I I might have been a little bit more trying to show them how because I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure that I really know how. So that might have been a problem. Well, you said well, like you I do showed know them how. how. <laughs> I showed them how. I said, look around. Why don't you look at my closet and why don't you look at your closet? It took me a long time to say, like, they're not doing this to me. Get over it, Hannah. This is just who they are. So and that's a really good. That's a really good little bit of walk away wisdom yeah, is to not is, yeah. take it's, it personally. Right. It isn't personal. They're not trying not to spite personal. you. They're their own no. little buggers, and they yes. they do what what they want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that and that was that was hard as a young mom. That was hard. Like, how could you spill this? Like, right. no. No, that this is not what's happening. And if they're if they're fifteen years old and they spill it, well, then they should be more careful. But sometimes I would need to step away and go to a quiet room and just say, "Mommy needs five minutes." Otherwise, like it was just gonna. Right. I, I say this explode. sometimes to my kids. I'm like, "Mommy is a person too. I have emotions yeah. too. I'm gonna just be over here for a minute." Yeah. <laughs> So what are some of the adventures or maybe misadventures that your family got into over time that you guys, that you remember that made an impact on you or your children? Thank goodness we were able to entertain them. Like if we went on vacation, it ended up being a little bit low budget sometimes, but we used to go every year when they were little to Sanibel Island. It's a couple hours away and you feel like you're on a vacation because it's on the West Coast and it's something different. And we would rent a, a condominium and they had a pool there. And one of the things that they had was pool side activities for the kids. So I would say, okay, kids, mommy and papa are going to sit on the side. We're going to be here and, and you guys go with the group activities. And they were not like camp people. They didn't go. I mean, I never left them anywhere. So I said, you guys go there. And then one of them would come back. Hot. No, go back. And one of them would come back. No, you have to stay with me. I'm like, I, Get out I don't know. Kids. And then they're like, okay, can we have ice cream? Yes, you can have ice cream. Again, yes, you can have ice cream. We have a beautiful family trips and family memories. And, and even the parents just needed like a minute to themselves. <laughs> and they didn't get it. And they, but, you know. That's funny. <laughs> it was very funny when they were little. And we're just like. There's so much fun over there. Why are you still here? <laughs> That's cute. That's very cute. What was what kind of atmosphere did you try to keep inside your house 
were they kind of running around? You so, you know, thankfully for the older ones, like I said, they they were more you know calm and as they say chill. They're they they were chill. The other two not so much. So they sort of led led the mood. It, I mean, we had a, you know it was loud, plenty of times. But everyone sort of had a partner also that was helpful. Not that I planned that, but, you know, the two boys were very, they're very close even even now. And they had, they had their own mischief that they did, but at least they didn't bother the sisters and the girls, the girls who are the same age. It was up and down with them. They, there was a love and I had enough of you. And they were, three of them were in the same grade in the same classes. It was a lot for siblings to have to manage when you don't normally but definitely, I would say their personality, uh, both of them helped me with, with their younger sister. Because if, if she was the only one around, I don't know that I would have been able to manage. She definitely brought the spunk to our family. And uh, So tell me God what you mean by that. Sisters. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. What does that mean? So when she was about, I mean, starting when she was two, and she was a, a very late walker. And everybody used to say she doesn't need to walk because these four kids are just entertaining her and bringing her whatever she wanted because she's cute and they think she's a doll. And so she, it took her a long time to walk. And then as soon as she started walking, she was walking around with the, with the plastic high heels from the costumes and a princess dress and a purse and a wand and pointing to everybody you get me a sandwich and you get, and she was telling us all what to do. <laughs> and till this day, she tells us all what to do. And I mean, let's just say like, she sort of tested me because that was my job. It was, <laughs> who are you telling me? I'm supposed to be telling people what to do. Oh, but it, it turned out that this, what is her personality till this day, she, it's funny that one, my older son in his bar mitzvah speech, you know, when you have to say things like, oh, and thank you to my siblings. I know we fight a lot, but we love each other. I love you very much. All those things that you say at the bar mitzvah. So my older son said to his sister, his younger sister, Nava, you know, we, you know, I appreciate you and you're wonderful. And I appreciate your strong leadership qualities. Right, right, right. So that's what we call it. <laughs> so that's I was what we call say, it. She sounds like a natural born leader. Is she putting all so, that to good use? <laughs> so it happens to be, she really is. And she's the stage manager of all the drama productions. She's just, just been elected the president of the student council. I mean, she has strong leadership qualities. There you and, go. You know, that's something as a parent, uh, when you're looking back and you, know your kids from day one and you're sort of wondering what they will be right and then when they get older you're wondering wow was this here all along so yes. true right? oh my gosh i you know <laughs> you hit on something that's very close to my heart because i yeah. always say my husband and i say all the time that there are qualities that we saw in our kids in the hospital the minute they were born yes. and yes. It, you know, we would make, we made stray comments, you know, oh, this one seems really observant. She just is like looking around and looking around and taking it all in. Or this one's really hyper. She just, you know, she'll be super calm and then suddenly screaming, what is going on? And, you know, <laughs> that those kids are those kids now and those qualities translated. We had an experience with my, my oldest 
who in college, she ended up directing a musical her freshman year and fell into that accidentally and ended up directing every year these huge productions where you have a hundred kids involved and she is bossing them around and coming up with the whole (laughs) schedule and showing us her spreadsheets and setting up meetings at all hours. And we're like, was this the kid? And when we look back, we're like, oh, actually, yeah. Remember when she was like in the playground in nursery school, how she would make everybody put on a show and it's a kid. Exactly. Yes. Didn't think about it. And so, you know, now that seems like she's going into that entertainment field and we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's amazing how it really was there all along. You need somebody like that. Right. And that whole organization and, and, you know, bossy Jean ended up being something that she, I think was channeling. I don't know if she would say that's where she thinks she gets it from, but she definitely, I see has a tremendous skill with. Yes, that's right which is yeah, all about no, parenting I, anyway, right? They're all leaders, exactly. Until until there's another child who wants to take over the job. <laughs> it's so funny, my, my oldest daughter, who is the oldest of the triplets by literally like 60 seconds, but everybody used to say, oh, Bacheva's the oldest, right? Because she just exuded the <laughs> oldest even at, at a young age, at a young age, she was like she played the role of like their mom, and and the other two would like just seek her guidance, and it's still the case. She like organizes, you know, her siblings. She organizes her roommates, you know, in certain things. She also, I have two bookend organizers. Okay, well, you, I guess they may not have picked up the neatness, okay. but they picked up. They're that not neat, but they, but they have. Yes, yeah, they can get things done. Let's just say that. They can right. get and when they done, decide they want it neat, I'm sure they'll figure it out quickly. Right. <laughs> they will, I, I hope so. But Funny. you definitely see that, and and the the goal of of parent, you know, if share wisdom of of having already been you know, taking them to adulthood. As we're talking about this, I'm I'm seeing if they have these qualities that you see in them as a child and they're either really good at it or it makes them happy, even though it's hard, you you really need to help them nurture that along the way. Like I see with my youngest, like she doesn't love to go to school, but I know she's going to be successful, whatever she's going to do, because she has these amazing other skills that she's had this whole time that I sort of saw her grow into. Right. Well, so I have a couple of questions on that. It's, I don't know how you want to answer. Like for one thing, okay. I love that you say she doesn't maybe love school, but you still know she'll be <laughs> successful. Cause I think that that yeah. is a struggle that a lot of parents have, especially with the way school is done these days, whether you're in a Jewish day school or whether you're in a public or another private school, there's a lot of pressure on kids today. And there are a lot of kids who struggle with school or don't love it. Yeah. Finding a way to, to continue encouraging them. So you brought that up. And I think it's interesting that you're yourself a teacher. Yeah. It's very challenging now. And, and really, I mean, for the parents out there, we, we don't get a manual, like they say, and every child is different also what they say. So for example, in my family, the my triplets, whether it's who they are or their personality or whatever it was, they happen to have always been very studious and done what they were 
told, as you could all probably figure out, as opposed to the other two. And yes, if, if some needed extra help in a certain thing, but they always were happy to go to school and the whole concept of, of school and teachers and, and, and the whole thing was, it was, it was the very acceptable and all good. And then it comes my son who taught me that the, maybe this cookie cutter situation is not for everybody. Yes, he is going to go to school. You got to go to school. Sorry. But the the outlook that he has on on education, I'm really talking about like the secular education because he is very much into Judaic studies. So it's on a need to know basis and getting him to the next place that he has to be. And that's really it. But again, with him, you know, we used to we used to joke when he was in eighth grade, one of the jobs of the of the students and the parents was to raise money for the trip, the end of the year trip. And every parent has to be, has to be involved in a fundraising thing. So my job was they were selling kala to the parents at carpool on Fridays and the, the, the students would make money for the trip. So I said to my son, okay, I mean, this is your trip. I'm going to order the kala. I'll do all the grown up stuff, but you're going to sell the kala. I was shocked. I don't know if it's a negative word, but he was like a hustler with these collars. Like he sold all these collars. He went up and down the carpool lines and he did his cute little cheek. Oh, do you want to buy a collar from us? And he was like, you need collars. And he sold all those collars. And from that point, I realized he, he, he knows how to, how to sell. He'll, I don't he'll know make a means. living. He'll make a living. <laughs> he'll make a living. And, and, you know, they just, you just have to learn from them, learn what they, <laughs> what they are good at, what they love to do, what makes them happy. And it's not always going to be this cookie cutter way. Um, you know, my younger right. daughter, she wants to do hair. Okay. That's her. That's what she loves to do. And I, I said, she does it for people now and she makes a little, you know, money from it. And I said, and she wants to be that. And I said, you know, go for it. I, I, you know, th this right. is not, I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to be, but if this is what you want to be, great. You're still going to school and maybe say, take some business classes because that will help you. Right. And, and, and go for it. And, and it took a, it took a while for me to, because, you know, I, was in this cookie cutter life of, of school and school and school and job and school. And, and I had to step back and say, it's not, you know, not, it's not, not everything is the same for everybody. And I didn't know that like right. 25 years ago. <laughs> right. Well, you know, my husband and I, we both were very, you know, academically oriented and both went to very fancy schools and we went to fancy law school mm -hmm. and we're certainly happy with our lives, but a lot, but we also have a, a strong creative side and both of us sort of say, yeah. you know, was academics necessarily such a gift in a certain way? I, not to say I'm not appreciative of it, but in a way it can be a little bit of a trap because there's an obvious easy path to go into the next academic best thing and the next best academic right. thing and the next best academic thing. And maybe that isn't your most maybe that isn't your biggest gift to the world, so to speak. Right. So, right. you know, I think that that is something I've thought about a lot as a parent, as my kids have gone on somewhat different paths than I necessarily planned 
or would have my approach i think is a little bit of just not planning too much and letting them right figure it out as they go my oldest ended up figuring out a way of getting into entertainment she's just about to graduate college next week so we'll see where it all leads you know my the the second one figured out the army and having this real life sort of experience of doing things as opposed to studying things all the time was what she right. wanted to do at this juncture in her life, in her late teens and, and early 20s. So I think that that's a, a fair way to go. And we'll see if she ends up being a doctor or whatever she ends up doing. Right. And, you know, my third right. one wants to be an artist, but she's so perfectionist, I suppose, about her art that it's tough for her to get to the point of producing it. But we're like, Okay, well, study art, see if it happens, yeah, yeah. and maybe take a couple business class. I think a couple exactly. business classes is a good idea a, for everybody. It's a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I kind of think that if there's a will, there's a way, you know? Yes, yes. No, and, and if, it, I mean, you know, I always, I, I went, I went into, into teaching at the local Jewish day school, the number one reason was to be able to afford the 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 education you know you get a discount if you work so i mean i've been doing this for 18 years almost so and i don't have any kids in the school so you know it it changed me also but as as i'm learning also about other people's children that also you just you see something that they have and it may not be that they're interested in the math or the reading or whatever it is and when I, I always tell them something like STEM that I teach, you just never know what kids might like and what might gravitate to. And so you want to give them opportunities to try things. And you just never know where that's going to take them because having a, you know, this narrow path is just not for everybody. It's for a lot of people. But it's not for everybody. Well, I think that that also applies in in all kinds of things. I talk about walk away wisdom. That is fantastic advice. Exposed to lots (laughs) of things. Do you have any either that you've learned from your own five children or that you've learned as a teacher that you would that you think parents could take away as a way of of noticing that or, you know, any how do you get that insight? How do you figure that out? Because it's tough. I think it's tough to figure out even about yourself. Yes, it's very difficult. I think fear gets in the way of a lot of children and adults. Like they're afraid of either trying new things or trying new things and it not working out. You know, that's a big sure. thing, especially in the post-COVID social emotional world of like being upset. <laughs> it's okay to be upset <laughs> and, and, not, and something not working out. But I, I, I do see that, especially now, you, there are so many things in the world, so many new things happening. As I teach, you know, tech, I'm involved in technology. So that's obviously growing more than exponentially. And, and you, you know, you want your kids to, to try new things because you just never know. You just never know what they're going to like, what they're going to be successful at, what they were going to contribute to others with. You just never know. How much do you push them to keep trying? Because a lot of things aren't fun at first. Yeah. I mean, God knows piano lessons no. are miserable for the first Not couple fun of at years. First. Right. I mean, I think that depends on what it is, because like you said, learning an instrument, that is going to take a lot of time and, and, and devotion to it for it to give you 
the the benefits of of joy and success you need you need to tell your kids that anything worth wanting to do or or wanting to be good at i mean you have to work at it but other things we tried when it was covid time and we were all home we we um suggested that one night a week everybody picks a night and they make dinner okay and and my and my son morty realized I do not like to cook. I don't ever want to cook. <laughs> I'm bad at it. <laughs> I can't read instruction. I can't read a recipe. <laughs> so that's going to be a no for me. <laughs> right, right. And I, and, and, and I could have said, okay, listen, it's your night to make dinner. You make some, you know, I, I, I you know, I said, okay, let's make peace. You know, something eggs. very simple. So <laughs> anything, but it was, you know, I, I wasn't going to force that upon him, you know, as time went on. It, it was just, it was, it was, it just wasn't happening. Do you see differences between the way family life operated when your kids were young versus young families today? So yes, yes, yes. And yes, you know, I, I see that more so in my work because I see young children. I teach very young children and until middle school. And I see how they act at, in school. So one thing that I notice, and, and the relationship that, for example, that a teacher might have with the parents. So back in the day, if you, it, it seems, I mean, maybe older than my own kids, but it seems that like if the teacher asked you to do something, you had to do it. And if you did it, and if you get, had to call home, then your parents would be very disappointed in you. All right. Because when you're in school, I always used to tell my kids, you're, this is your job. I have a job. You have a job. Your job is to go to school and, and learn and, and do what is asked of you. So I think, I mean, people are blaming it post-COVID. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't, it seems like there is a, we're very concerned now for good reason about the, the emotional, social well-being of children, but to a fault, I feel like. And one thing I alluded to before, like, it's okay if your child is upset for one moment in time, let them learn how to recover from being upset. We don't need to just fix their problems. It's okay. It's okay. So I see that in, in younger children in younger families that we just want to make them happy. Right. But that's not real life. I'm not happy all the time. I, I, we need to teach them how to cope, how to be resilient, how to be, how to be able to get off of a, a phone and communicate verbally with their friends, things like that. I think technology has a big part in, in parenting, whether we like it or not. I think that's giving... so as a specialist in technology yeah. and a yeah. teacher of yeah. technology, do you have any thoughts on, you know, what is the appropriate role of technology? I mean, I remember yeah. being kind of a little upset when the school handed everybody out their iPads and the school was so excited and we got this technology yeah. grant and it's yes. so great and it's going to make everything so much better. And in reality, I don't know that I agreed. I definitely know that they gave them these math programs and I yes. ended up signing them up for Kuman, which is a program that's all pencil and paper, yes. and they will not let you do anything on computer, and you have to have a pencil, has to be erasable, right. and, you know, the physical act of doing the, the calculations, they felt added to 
recall it, memorizing, understanding, etc. Sure. And so there's a kinetic element, I suppose, to the education that that ends up being missing when you're doing your problems on a screen. I feel like Shabbat right. was very helpful because we are observant yes. and having mm -hmm. a day where they knew they were not permitted and it was not a question and also that their social circles were also not using was right. a big factor that's, because that's a big deal. That's because the, the Instagram was harder when or the texting, you know, teenage girls at night start texting each other and they're all losing sleep and then they can't focus and then they get diagnosed with ADD and they put them on amphetamine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any um, advice that yeah. you give people on even people, let's say, who aren't necessarily religious and aren't observant on Shabbat, right. but who are just trying to, you know, figure out how with elementary school children, how do you set the right limits, but still allow them to have the benefits? Yes. So it's very challenging in terms of, of the parenting part of managing this world of technology. I, I get questions like that all the time because of what I do at, at the school. And, and basically what, what I, what I tell parents is that it's there, it's going to be there all of your child's life, but you need to, you need to be involved. Like you can't just assume that some parents do, they, they give them a phone, maybe they put in a couple of parent controls and, and like, here you go. And, and, and you, you need to be involved. You need to pay attention to what's happening and every, like everything in life, it, it needs to be balanced. Like, you know, if you don't want to give your child a phone, don't do it. A lot of parents say, well, the whole, all, all they say, all their friends have a phone except for them. That's the age old comment that parent that children will say, even my own and that, and, and it's very challenging and it's very hard, but. I mean, there is nothing that your child needs to know. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> friends. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is that important up until, you know, a pretty, a pretty, you know, maybe, maybe high school is a little, a little different now, but there is nothing that your fifth grader needs to know from his friend that is urgent. If he has a question, they can reach you. They will find a way to reach your child, but, but they don't need it. They have, a, a, as you mentioned the schools, whether we like it or not, whether it's good, I mean, it is what it is because if the educational resources now are all digital and there's not much we can do about it. Like there, we're, it's evolving into a digital world in education. So they have enough time on, on, a, on a device at school. And we hope for the most part, they're doing what the school wants them to do, but maybe once in a while they're playing a game. Okay. That happens when they come home, you have to be involved. You, you should put parental controls. You should put Wi-Fi access restrictions, which is super annoying for you, but your children are living in your home. You need to, you need to do things that are also annoying for you. If you want to be that person to check the, the, the tax messages or whatever it is, you really need to be involved just so you can guide them. I can, you know, in my experience, your child is going to come across something. It's, a, it's, it's inevitable that is either makes them upset or even could be disturbing by accident. And the, the role that you could play is to help them navigate what to do when this happens. I know as an educator, that's what I teach the kids that I can't, 
necessarily stop them from ever experiencing any pain from a device, but I can help them navigate what to do when they get into that position. And and that is in anything, right? Somebody is on the playground and kicks you, it's the same problem. Right, so, right. You know, I mean, it's, it's well, with anything. Well, it is and, and it isn't because, you know, one of the difficult things about, I think, devices is how you can spread an incident and you know, something yeah. upsetting can spread so quickly to so many people and clearly is having an impact on kids because yes, it's one thing to say this one kid beat me up on the playground or they beat me up and there were 20 kids in my class who saw it. Fine. It's another thing for it to be filmed and for the whole universe to see it and to have this sense that it's permanent and that it might follow you. So I, for those kids who are worried about that, they're they're not necessarily wrong to be more anxious about it. Oh, for you know? sure. Because everything is is so easily spread and so durable, you know. Yes, absolutely. No, and and it's 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 this ugly side, you know, that we want the technology. It makes our life easier. It makes it more entertaining. And, and there is an ugly side, and we have to. And it's there <laughs> I and, remember. And it's, it's very. I, I mean. I came down one morning and opened up my personal laptop and I could see, so I, you know, I opened it up and it was a lot of unsettling pictures, let's just say. And I look in my search bar and I see the word breasts misspelled <laughs> by, you yep. know, middle, right. middle school daughter who was curious about puberty. And, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it took a while to get that off of my right, uh, suggestions right. file. But she had very good intentions. She had very good intentions. Right, you know, and it was innocent. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it was, was, yeah. But it's, kind of, it's scary. It's scary. And, and, and you know, it's going to be there. And we have to we have to help them just like ourselves. Like if you would not want mom to read your text, if you would not want to say that to the person to their face, then this is not something you should be typing. And we, that's and, a good uh, rule. That's a good you know? rule. Yeah. If you yeah. wouldn't say it to their face, don't right. type it. Are well, not, look, all new tech, yeah. you know, we, we think that we're the first ones who've had to deal with a new technology and how right. to, how right. to bring it into our world. But, you know, the reality is that every generation faces its new yeah. technology and has to figure out how to navigate it in a way that, you know, accesses the benefits without overdoing it and making turning it into something that's negative right. and i and I mean, that is you know i think that's something that everyone struggles with and i'm not sure that it doesn't get harder and harder because every it seems that every new technology is like even more of your sensory is involved uh, and yes. even more of your world is involved in it and that we seem to be had you know now even with ai you yeah, know, heading in that direction of it being just more comprehensive in in all parts of our lives. Right. I think for me, Judaism is what you know. Our Jewish observance is a big part of how we are able to to manage that and keep technology at bay a little bit because we do have a lot of time with family, both Shabbat and holidays for sure, right. and that creates real life memories and day. You know 
real life interactions. Yes. We're with our actual family in the room, talking, playing, laughing, whatever we're doing. Right. And I think that to the extent that parents can prioritize that, you know, in certain way, it's not so much about trying to keep a handle on the on the devices because as you said you know they the minute you put on some kind of wi-fi restrictions they come up with something else and you have Absolutely. to keep, it's a never-ending and difficult task but on the other hand if you can bump up the positive real life side of things and right. make that more attractive and make that something that you your kids want to spend their time doing right then at least it diminishes the percentage of their life that's taken exactly. up by these little boxes. Right, right. Yeah, you have to teach them restraint, and there's a certain time and a certain amount of time, and 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 just, but but you have to do that too. So put it away for dinner. Have a bedtime for the devices. Have a a place in your home where all the devices charge overnight. So it's not in the bedroom. So right. if you were, we have to wrap up now. Yeah. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to add? You know, I think even though there are so many challenges, ups and downs, and you want to give them memories. And even if they could be not great memories, but memories where remember when that happened and that's what they're going to, to think about. As a matter of fact, that's what they're going to share like now I know when they're off in college, oh, one time my family did this and it was like crazy and we went on the lazy river and my mom fell off and they start sharing the memory that you gave them like with their friends. And that is what raising the family is about. Yes, we have a lot of logistics in raising a family, but keep in mind making memories and they right. can be silly ones and they can be fun ones and they could be ones with a bowl of ice cream and yeah anything. it doesn't have to be something big <laughs> i think is absolutely not absolutely yeah. not yeah and you said you're about shuva and you yeah. obviously judaism became more and more important to you if you were talking to people who maybe were making the decision about how much they want judaism to play a role in your life what do you think it adds what about it does appeal to you in particular if there's a couple of things what would you say so i i would say the family aspect is very, when we were just talking about that, the family aspect is, is very important. It sort of gives you guidelines of, of, of spending time with your family, of doing activities in your family, like preparing for Shabbat. That is, a, you know, it could be a family affair that everyone is involved in from when they're little to, to much older. And so you have this like common goal that is not anybody's particular, oh, this is my hobby, or, or this is what I like to do, or this is what my, you know, parents do for work. This is, this is something beyond where we're given a structure to be just us, be just our family, not be distracted, and prepare for something together and enjoy a moment. It's giving us a moment. The, there's a big difference between the Tuesday night dinner and the Friday night dinner. It's right. very different. Right. And I think giving us moments where it forces us to be in a calm space and, and relaxed and and be together as a family, which I think helps the kids as they get older. Shabbat is, is one of it's, the it's magic. Things. It is. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Anyway, thank you so, so much for thank coming you. on. It it's is so a joy to hear about 
your family and your adventures, big and small, and the journeys that your family has been going on, and just how much you enjoy having this large, boisterous family of people who are doing all kinds of different things. There is Mamish, nothing like it. Thank you. This was awesome. Very fun. Thank you for having Perfect. me. Perfect. Thank you so much. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of Momish. Thank you so much for coming and being part of our Momish family. I would love to hear from you. Please write us a note at lunchbox at momish.com. That's lunchbox at m-o-m-m-a-s-h.com. Or you can leave us a review. You can rank us, rate us, follow us on Apple or Spotify or any other place that you get your podcasts. Certainly share us with your friends, your moms, your sisters. It would be a real honor. And we are just so excited to have you as part of the Momish family. There is Momish nothing like it.